You're listening to the Unstoppable Business Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lee. AJ, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. For sure, man. So when people ask you, like, what do you do? How do you answer that exactly? Well, we do social skills coaching and we run a podcast as well called The Art of Charm. We've been doing it for the last 13 years and I help people with social anxiety, introversion, build a better version of themselves, connect with people and have more impactful relationships in their life. That's awesome, man. So like when you tell this to people, how do people usually react? Well, to be honest, because of technology and the fact that we're not socializing as much as we probably did generations ago, a lot of people are refreshed to hear that we're working on this area, uh, realizing that a lot of people struggle Mm -hmm. with some social anxiety, struggle in conversations. And unfortunately, that holds a lot of us back in our career and in our personal lives. Mm, I see. Okay, man. So what inspired you to start all this, man? Like what, what was like the first, cause you said 13 years, that's a, a while back, right? Like what inspired you to start Art of Charm? Yeah, I was in graduate school at the University of Michigan. I was working on a cancer biology PhD and I really found myself struggling for the first time in my life to connect with my fellow classmates, the people that were working in the lab with me and especially my principal investigator. I felt like I really looked up to him. And because of that, my anxiety creeped up. And conversationally, a lot of people were taking me the wrong way. In fact, I got some feedback in graduate school that I was arrogant and aloof. And internally, I was really struggling with imposter syndrome and feeling that I wasn't judging other people. In fact, I felt that I had uh, low confidence and low self-esteem. So I started to look into the science of how to make a better first impression, how to be more engaging in conversation. And I realized that this was an area that I could actually learn to improve. Um, For most of my life, I just always thought I'm an introvert and I have anxiety and I just have to deal with it. But I realized that these are skills that you can learn and improve and you're not just born that way. So I really dove deep into the science behind all of that and started a podcast sort of as a hobby 13 years ago and that grew into a coaching company and, and now we've really realized just how many people are similar in these areas really struggling socially struggling to connect with their coworkers, especially their boss maybe getting passed over for promotion uh, and a lot of us in our career will move to new locations and have to build a social circle from scratch and that can be really intimidating and daunting if you don't really have a plan or a strategy Mm, gotcha, man. Okay. So you're saying that you got inspired because you were trying to kind of um, treat your own problems, right? And um, somehow that led to the podcast. Was there like one-on-one coaching after that or before that? So I was trying to improve my social skills, both in the lab and also in my dating life. And I started looking for some dating advice and tips online. And back then, there was this movement around pickup artistry. And I found that a lot of the information I was finding online just wasn't really helpful. I didn't feel like I was myself. I felt like I had to be someone else. And it just never really felt right to me. So as I started researching a little bit more, and I found Dale Carnegie's famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Mm. I realized that there's a lot more to communication than just the words that I'm choosing to use or the icebreakers that I found online. And that if I'm not making a great first impression, well, conversation is going to be really difficult. 
So I started sharing my stories of my own personal development and growth on the podcast. And then as I realized that one, I can't talk for that many hours, we started interviewing other experts in this area. And mm-hmm. when we brought on other experts, realized that some definitely had a lot of value and, and helped me learn how to get through some of this. And, and some, you know, unfortunately didn't offer that much value. And that's really when our audience started to reach out to us for coaching. So I didn't really go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to be this coach. I'm going to be the successful entrepreneur. I really went into it to just improve myself and document the journey. And it grew into a movement and a coaching company now that really helps other people on their journey to grow their social skills and their confidence. Oh, that's really cool, man. So this podcast, um, the inspiration for it was just to document your own journey, trying to learn some more, uh, you know, get interviews with people. Uh, Why did you think about starting a podcast instead of like a, a YouTube channel or any other media forms? Well, 13 years ago, I found myself sort of having the same conversations over and over again. So as I started working on these areas and I started to improve and made some new friends, started going on more dates, I realized that a lot of people were struggling in these areas. And I would talk about some of the things that I learned around first impression, how to carry the conversation, how to tell an exciting story. And as I found myself in the same conversations sort of over and over, I realized, huh, maybe if I recorded my thoughts on this, I could share the recording with people instead of having the same conversation over and over. So really, it was just locally in Ann Arbor, meeting people who also wanted to improve, sharing the podcast with them, and and the podcast audio recordings were easy to consume while I was in the lab. Podcasting was just starting out. So it became sort of a hobby that I really enjoyed. Um, you know, maybe had I went on Amazon at first and ordered a video camera instead of some microphones, it would end up on YouTube. But right. uh, originally, it was just easier to record some audio and have some fun. Gotcha, man. Okay. So how did that snowball? Like, did it start, you know, the first few years, was it just um, not a lot of listeners and then slowly snowballed and you slowly build an audience? Or was it like immediate response after that you started the podcast? Well, there's a little bit of a backstory to our success. So in Ann Arbor, we were trying to promote the podcast locally, of course. And we felt that most people realize that they're struggling socially when they're out at bars, they're out trying to socialize. So we made some business cards on Vistaprint. You know, Vistaprint always has their free 100 business cards if you sign up. So we got our 100 Mm -hmm. business cards and we just put a simple tagline on the business cards and we started putting the business cards around in local bars in Ann Arbor. Well, it just so happened that Google was opening an office in Ann Arbor and they had some staff uh, moving out to Ann Arbor who picked up the cards, checked out the podcast, and they shared it with their friends at Apple. And funny enough, Apple iTunes decided to feature us on the homepage. And that really skyrocketed our growth. It was a pretty hockey stick-like growth moment where the podcast got a lot of visibility and naturally got a lot of listeners, and it kind of grew from there. We had no idea that this had happened, but funny enough, I was out in one of those bars in Ann Arbor, and a guy approached me, and he recognized my voice. And I did not recognize him. I had never met him. (laughs) He was trying Uh to figure out where he knew me from. And finally, he was like, do you happen to have a podcast? And I was like, yeah, funny enough, I do. He's like, wow, that's right. I love your show. And I was sharing it with my friends. And I was like, oh, who are your friends? He's like, oh, well, they're the the guys that work on the Apple store and iTunes for podcasting. And funny enough, 
like that serendipitously we were featured and that really set up the show for explosive growth and then as the show grew our audience again started asking us hey can we do phone coaching hey can we learn from you and that's really when I realized wow there is a potential for a business here not just a, a fun hobby while I'm in graduate school Mm, gotcha. So this whole time that you were doing the podcast, you were still in graduate school. And did you stay with that path in graduate school after you started getting some coaching clients? I ended up dropping out about a year into the podcast. So as the podcast started to pick up in popularity and the demand for coaching grew, uh, my co-host and business partner moved to New York City. And when he moved to New York City, he realized, hey, you know, maybe it's worth exploring this business a little bit more. And we decided to start coaching some clients in person. So instead of just phone coaching, and we would host them in New York City. So on the weekends, while I was in graduate school, I would fly out to New York City. I would take clients out, teach them the social skills, and I'd fly back to the lab on Monday. Well, as you can wow. imagine, it's pretty difficult to maintain your PhD work and work on a thesis while yeah. you're going out in New York City on the weekends. So mm -hmm. I ended up making a really tough decision to drop out of graduate school. Of course, my family was very frustrated with me and uh, unsure of the decision that I had made, but moved to New York City to do the Art of Charm and the coaching full time. And that actually snowballed into a serious XM radio show called Game On. And we did that show for about four and a half years. And that show parlayed some more podcast growth and vice versa. So it was actually a, a pretty fun experience. Wow, man. It seemed like this whole thing was just just snowballed once you started the podcast. Like everything started to happen for you, right? Yeah. Well, you know, looking back on it, of course, there are those moments where there was a lot of momentum. There was certainly a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of pounding the pavement, spreading flyers around New York City, handing out business cards, reaching out to potential podcast guests, and hundreds, if not thousands, of no's on interest in or lack of interest in coming on the podcast. You know, now, of course, the podcast landscape has changed 13 years ago. Many people never even heard of a podcast, let alone be interested in coming on a podcast. Now, as podcasting has grown and there are more and more people and brands getting in the podcast space, of course, um, you know, looking back on it, it's been a lot of fun and it, there were those exciting moments, but also a lot of hard work went into to growing the audience and really making sure that the quality was top notch of our show. Gotcha. Okay. Well, AJ, with all this work, uh, it sounds like it was a lot. Um, what really drove you to continue with the podcast? What drove you to, you know, drop out of graduate school? What drove you to continue on this path? So while we were doing the interviews, we've always had these toolbox episodes, which would be our episodes monthly where we would break down our story and, and our thoughts and feelings on a given topic. And the audience really reacted well to those episodes, reaching out to us, telling us how our story touched them or changed their lives, or they implemented something they learned from the show that they hadn't heard elsewhere. And just hearing that change from the audience, seeing the iTunes reviews come back, really allowed me to realize I was on the right path. And understanding that being of service to others and helping other people improve in these areas was really my path to happiness and fulfillment. And learning these skills has had a tremendous impact on my life. You know, Growing up in the Midwest from a blue collar background, 
I didn't have much of a network. My dad really wasn't well connected. He was a single dad, worked hard, and he wasn't very social. So I, when I started to unlock my own social skills and start to grow my network, and it really opened so many doors for me, not only in my career, but personally, and grew my social circle to have friends all over the world. And with those skills, really found fulfillment in my life. So to be able to talk to people who are also struggling with some social anxiety, maybe are a little introverted, maybe are a little lacking in confidence, or even struggling with imposter syndrome, and realizing that you can get past it. You can learn skills to improve in these areas and knowing the impact it has on your life has always been one of the greatest joys I've had working at The Art of Charm. Are you an expert or course creator trying to monetize your online course? Well, use our one-page template to get more paying students to your online course without marketing overwhelm or sleazy sales tactics. You can download this for free at unstoppablebusiness.com. Now, back to the show. So AJ, what are some what are some other challenges that you faced during that time while you were building this this business? Well, a lot of doors slammed in our face, as I said, a lot of people telling right. us they're uninterested <laughs> in coming on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of hiccups with tech. You know, I built the first website on Blogspot, I designed the first logo, I learned how to edit video in Final Cut Pro. So really just hustling and and learning as many skills as possible, learning what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, uh, learning the the skill to delegate the things that I'm not good at and let go of some things for other team members to take them on. Um, You know, all those trials and tribulations along the way have certainly been roadblocks and, and bumps in the road to success. But as I said, you know, waking up with emails in your inbox and iTunes reviews of people just telling you how much the show has impacted them, how much they learned from the show and how fulfilled they are in their lives has really powered me through those lower moments, those darker moments where, you know, there weren't very many zeros in the bank account and people weren't tuning into the podcast and the website was broken and our shopping cart for our courses wasn't working. Um, You know, all those things are part of the journey of building a business, being an entrepreneur and, I now know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and I just love the process of learning and picking up new skills, and that's certainly what entrepreneurship has offered me. Gotcha. Okay. And would you say that um, understanding yourself, like understanding your strengths, your weaknesses, what you're good at, what you're not good at, is it a result of you just throwing yourself out there and you know failing so many times, having the door slammed in your face so many times? Well, I would certainly say that is part of it. The other part of it is, and with going along with these social skills, is reaching out to people who are one or two steps or even you know four or five steps further along in the journey than I am and coming at it in a way of support, offering them value and, and trying to gain the knowledge that they've had through experience uh, and their mentorship has really helped me grow as an individual, grow in my own self-awareness understand that there maybe are some better ways to do things. I don't have to right. brute force everything. I don't have uh-huh. to try, try, try until I fail, but I can leverage the lessons of mentors and other people who've built brands online uh, to grow a little faster and grow with the few less mistakes. Gotcha. Okay. So you mentioned mentors. I guess uh, if there was one skill that you could teach yourself at that age where, you know, when everything wasn't working, um, what skill would that be for you? 
I would say that skill is not being afraid to ask and even greater, not being afraid to hear no. I feel so many of us are afraid or ashamed to ask questions, to not appear like we know everything, to not uh, show off how successful we are online. And because of that, we don't ask for help. We don't ask for support. We don't reach out to people who could potentially become mentors because we don't want to bother them, because we don't think we're far enough along, because we don't think we have enough value to give them, or uh, we're small in our network, or where we come from, or we're not as smart. And all those limiting beliefs close off opportunities in your lives. And for me, you know, now it's fun because my inbox is flowing with people reaching out to me for help and support. And I love being able to give back and share my journey and the mistakes we made so that hopefully other people can learn from them. I love mentoring people who are fired up about these things and learning because I know just how much that mentorship has meant to me and in, in my growth and certainly in saving time and frustration in growing the business. Um, but when I started, you know, it was very scary. Uh, what do I have to offer someone who's built a business that's 10 times my size? What can I give to someone who right. has a huge network of successful people? You know, all mm -hmm. those doubts crept in my head and I wouldn't write the email. I wouldn't reach out on Instagram. I wouldn't comment on Twitter and try to see if they could potentially help. And I've learned that the biggest strides that you can make as uh, someone starting out and trying to learn a new skill or trying to grow a business is to find a mentor, to find someone who will help you and share those lessons. And the most important thing is being open and listening and following through. Um, my biggest frustration when, when people ask me for mentorship or for support is when they don't follow through. They, they don't take my advice. They don't follow up with me and let me know how it worked out. And I realize now that that's a big part of finding a mentor. It's not just reaching out once. It's following up. It's showing them all the work you've put in and the lessons you've learned and appreciating their time that really unlocks that mentorship. Mm, yeah, that's, that's really key. Awesome, man. So AJ, when did, uh, when did everything start evolving into online courses for you? Well, as I said, you know, we started with some phone coaching and then we moved into in-person training in New York City. And we realized that one, flying out to New York City and staying with us for a week, our boot camps are in-person week long, uh, is a big time commitment and it's a big investment. And a lot of younger people who are starting out can't afford to fly to New York, can't afford to invest in in-person training. But we wanted to support them. We wanted to support people who are much like ourselves in college struggling in these areas. So we decided to start building some content and curriculum that we could deliver online. Taught myself WordPress and how to set up an online course, uh, build out shopping carts, order forms, thank you pages, and realized that you know online learning now is a really growing uh, opportunity for many of us to pick up skills that maybe we didn't get in school or maybe we didn't learn from our parents. So uh, that platform has really unlocked another opportunity to share everything we've learned outside of the free podcast and outside of just the in-person training. Mm, gotcha. And how was the transition to the online courses? Because it's a completely different format. It's not really like a dialogue, like a one-on-one -on -one training or like a group coaching, right? Right. I think the biggest thing that we learned was you shouldn't throw the kitchen sink at people. So <laughs> okay. the very first course that we built was six months long. It was every wow. piece of information we knew, uh, weekly videos, about hours of content every week. 
And it was just too overwhelming for someone who's starting out online and just wants to get some quick wins and get some positive momentum and start growing. Uh, we realized that, you know, throwing the kitchen sink at someone, so to speak, online in a six month long course is too much to ask for someone who's just trying to get started. So in looking at the boot camp, you know, the boot camp is very in depth. It's in person. It's a week. Every day is a full day with us. A lot of exercises in person. But you can't do all of that online. And a lot of people who are doing online courses, you know, they don't have hours a week to dedicate to it you really can only get about 15 to 30 minutes of their time. So really thinking about and designing the course, how can I give them the quick bites of information that they need to apply immediately to start seeing results? And then once they start getting some positive results, they get some things working, then we can add on another layer and another layer and maybe even build out separate courses. Um, you know, we thought building a six month online, here's everything course would be the, the best solution to our potential customers problems. And it really wasn't. We saw that there was poor engagement in months three, four, five, and six. And that's when we really started to realize, okay, maybe if we shorten the videos, we make it more experiential and, and more about doing the homework and the exercises and less about sitting in front of your computer, the more beneficial and impactful the course could be. So our courses have evolved a lot since then where it's really just a simple concept, a lot of exercises, and then some accountability from a coach uh, who will check in with you to make sure that you're going through and progressing in the course. And that has really been, for us, the winning combination. Oh, wow, that's great, man. So AJ, what's there, what are some uh, you know, projects that you're working on right now that's most exciting to you? Well, I think what's actually become the most exciting for us is we've now started doing corporate training working with businesses, teams, executives oh, wow. to okay. grow their social skills, their networking, mm -hmm. their ability to handle conflict and to lead the team. You know, a lot of us, as we advance through our career, we move into roles instead of doing what we are good at, which is the technical skills, the, an the analysis that we were schooled in. We now have to manage a team. We now have to get buy-in. We have to motivate people. We have to persuade and influence people. And we have to handle conflict when people don't agree. And those skills are not really taught in schools. Those skills are not taught on the job. And unfortunately, when you make that progression in your career from being someone who's coding, someone who's actually doing the technical skills to someone who's managing a team of people doing the technical skills, well, those shortcomings can really hold you back. So it's been fun for us to give back all the learnings that we've had on a personal level to companies who are trying to grow their team's social skills and their emotional intelligence. Mm, that's great, man. So AJ, you mentioned a couple of times about like traditional um, training, a traditional education, and how uh, what you guys teach is completely separate, but it seems like a necessary part of it. Would you say that in the future you see yourself like integrating it into like institutions or schools or anything like that? Yeah, we've had a number of classes offered on university campuses over the last 13 years, and we've partnered with some business schools to bring some of these skills into the classroom setting for MBA students. And I think in general, we're seeing this movement more and more towards soft skills training, understanding that being able to carry a conversation is going to impact your career and 
there's a real need for it. So yes, we would love to continue progressing in that direction. And we do think that as much as the hard skills are valuable, which education is very good at instilling, the soft skills are just as valuable for you and your career and for your growth. Gotcha, for sure. So AJ, what's the vision? Like what's the five to 10 year vision from now? Well, I think the big vision for us is to grow the company to have more locations. So the bootcamp running on different continents to be able to service all of the international podcast listeners we have and fans of the show. Uh, as I said, moving more into corporate training and helping uh, large corporations develop out soft skills and leadership skills in their teams, uh, utilizing all the nonverbal communication tools we have, understanding how to manage conflict. Um, that's really exciting for us. And then lastly, we've been looking to partner with high schools and middle schools to teach these skills to the younger students who may be struggling with bullying, maybe struggling with that social anxiety that's leading to them uh, lacking in connection with their classmates and feeling a little bit depressed and down. So, um, you know, for us, it's really just expanding our horizons and thinking about the, the social skills as just more impactful than someone in their late 20s, early 30s, starting out their career. Mm. That's, that's awesome, man. Shoot, that's a good cause. Um, AJ, is there anything else you want to say to our audience out there listening? Well, if it sounds to you like maybe you're struggling in some of these areas, you have some social anxiety holding you back, you're passing up on opportunities to go out and socialize because maybe you don't know what to say or you're worried about feeling awkward, check out the Art of Charm podcast. It's an amazing platform we've built over the last 13 years to really give you all this content for free. All the skills that we use in our bootcamp and teach our clients is available on the podcast. We delve deep into the science to help you really understand how to unlock the best version of yourself. 